watching lunch plus here on the what's right page we're so excited to have you as you are hopping on make sure that you comment tell us who you are where you're watching from let us say hello to you if you don't comment i can't 100 percent guarantee i'm gonna say hi because i can't always see you so if you comment we're able to chit chat a little bit and as you hop on make sure that you share the broadcast because we're going to have Pastor Brian on here in just a couple minutes, and he is going to be bringing a really powerful word. You're not going to want to miss it, and your friends are going to want to hear it too. So share the broadcast. It's going to be great, just like Tony the Tiger, but not about cereal. Um, Buddy says, shalom. Uh, Jan says, hello, she's here. Serena is waving. Prill says that she's here listening from the office. Johnny is here. He says, hello. And Pastor Nicole is listening from the car. I only know this because of the purple heart. Um, Abby says, hi, because there's lots of eyes behind it. Um, so yeah, thank you for being here and thank you for hopping on. It's going to be a great day. It's really it, like the weather outside right now is my favorite weather because it's gray and it's kind of cool and cozy and it makes me want to curl up with like a book and a blanket and take a nap. But mostly I can't really get sunburned today. And I don't know if you can tell, like I've been saying for weeks that I like this camera because it makes me look tan. It makes me look super tan today because it's on top of a burn. So <laughs> I enjoy that I'm not going to get burned outside today. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, it's great to have y'all on. Evan! Evan, it's good to see you. What's up? I was thinking, I saw your latest YouTube video. Your thumbnail looks awesome. Um, but it's great to have y'all on here. Again, make sure that you comment, tell us who you are so we can say hi and share the broadcast. And we are going to dive in with today's this or that's. And I actually took a leaf out of Buddy Crabtree's book. I've been watching his social media. So a couple of these are Buddy Crabtree inspired. So if we can put up the first one, some of these are hotly debated topics. 
Very, very hotly debated. The first one has been debated here in the church often. This or that. Toilet paper edition. Should the toilet paper be going over or should the toilet paper be coming under? Which way should a toilet paper be dispensing toilet? Like, should a roll be dispensing toilet paper? I feel like it's really disgusting when it's under. And I understand they touch the same way, but it just, I don't enjoy it. And I'm pretty sure at one point somebody looked up the patent to toilet paper when it came out and it was designed to go over. So that may not be science, like pastor can like boom science, but this is, I feel like this is important. So far, over, 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 this is the way, says Buddy. Uh, Over. Mandalorian has spoken over, over, over. It's not a mullet. Thank These you, are George. highly important issues. To they really solve. are because, you know, this could be a great question to ask if you are about to embark in a marriage. Um, this is important to settle before you get married and you walk into the bathroom someday <laughs> and you go to spin that roll of toilet paper and nothing's happening. Like this is important to find out. Are you over? I, I think pastor's an over person. I'm absolutely over. <laughs> Without question. Marky says the real question is if you have enough water. What? Enough bottles of water? Oh, do I? Yeah, these are from the other day. Yeah, one of these is mine, and one of these was George's from yesterday that just ended here. But I've had like four bottles of water this morning, so I can, I can just finish my water for the day and chug these on camera. I could. Okay, so that was this or that number one. This or that number two. Dun, dun, dun. This one straight up is from Buddy. Okay, how do you eat your cereal? Because Buddy tells me both of these people exist, and I don't know as though I believe him, because only one of these is a right option, in my opinion. So do you put the milk in before you eat cereal, or do you put, oh, I said it the same way. No? Did I? <laughs> I don't remember. Milk before cereal, cereal. Okay. Do you put milk in before the cereal, or do you put cereal in before the milk? Which way do you eat your cereal? I, I feel like... It's weird to put milk in first and then cereal. I, I don't okay, think that's Okay, so you're talking about prep. Yes. You're talking about prep time. Yes, like in the bowl, do you put milk in first and then the cereal on top of the milk? Or do you allow the cereal to go in like a mountain and then the gentle cascade of milk like a waterfall pours down atop it and disperses the milk in a beautiful, wonderful fashion and evenly distributes the milk in the bowl? I put the cereal in, then I pour the milk over top of it. Yes. Without question. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Cereal before milk. Cereal before milk. Cereal <laughs> before milk. Cereal first. Cereal before milk. Otherwise it can splash. Good point. Yes. Yes, cereal first. Absolutely. Okay, you guys are my people. I, I don't know as though I know somebody who puts the milk in first. That was, Buddy did a couple like this or that's in his Instagram story a few weeks ago, and I filed this one because I'm like, I, I don't know. Buddy says six really? people said that they put the milk in first. Wow. Apparently not down here in the South. Whoa, your mom. Your mom does it. I'm pointing like she's here. It's your mom. <laughs> I know. Your mom. 
Your mom is one of those people. She puts milk first because she doesn't want cereal swimming in a bowl. Well, well just don't put all you had. <laughs> there's ways to get around that. Oh all you got to do is like you move the spoon a little bit to the side. And you can see where the milk level is and then it's not swimming. So I feel like scientifically we have this figured out. Abby, in case you were wondering, Barrett was an English major. Milk cascading down a mountain of cereal. <laughs> and just like that, That's the funny. creative writing degree came right out. That's really funny. <laughs> okay, our last one of the day is George. Oh, whoa, before we go there, George says he used to put milk in first, but then he was delivered. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's awesome. Okay, your mom is pretty staunch in, I, I see that. in milk first. Okay, our last one of the day. And I put this as a slash because I don't know. I don't hey, remember, Melissa Billingsley. I don't remember if up north there are Papa John's. Like, I don't know if in Maine I had a Papa John's. That was something I had down here. But I don't know. They could be everywhere. Um, so which one do you prefer? Domino's? Uh, you can't do it like that because Papa John's and Pizza Hut are not in the same category. They're different. They're totally different. You can't, you can't do that. So we'll do this or this or that or that. Game change. This or that or that. Yeah. All right. Domino's, Papa John's, or Pizza Hut. I'm, I'm, I'm taking over. <laughs> I just got fired, everybody. It's great to have been here. I'm glad you were able to witness it. Thank this you or that or that. Thank you for believing in me, and thank you for taking it higher. Okay, which one are you? Domino's, Pizza Hut, Papa John's. Go. Uh, Domino's, Domino's, Pizza Hut, Domino's, Domino's. I, I am not a Domino's person. I think Domino's is not as great. <laughs> hey, Evan, I have no words, no idea. <laughs> we love you, Evan. George says Domino's Wisconsin, Wisconsin cheese with Brooklyn-style crust, and he's hungry right now. Mm. Becca says Papa John's, but it depends on my mood. Marky, again, Marky and I are almost always on the same food page. Pizza Hut thin and crispy or stuffed crust. 100%, that is my decision as well. Marky and I could eat together happily. I, that's a happy one. Which one are you? Uh, Evan says Alana, his sister, says Domino's. So. I have actually have been all three at one point because when we worked for Pizza Hut, if when you would make the pizza fresh, it would be really good. And I really like Pizza Hut sauce. Um, but yeah. then I went to Papa John's. But it's almost like at some point a few years ago, they changed their toppings or something changed. And I just didn't enjoy it as much as I used to. But I do like their crust. So I could go with Papa John's crust and uh, Pizza Hut sauce. And then, uh, then you go with Domino's outside crust. Like they, put, they, put, they make their crust taste good on the outside too. But anyway... Uh, I do like the sauce. Like the other day, last week, I said, I really want some Pizza Hut sauce. And Nicole goes, yeah, I do too. But she said Pizza Hut because that's where she found her man. Aww. And uh, so it's hard for me to get off of Pizza Hut in that way, although we don't order it all the time anymore. 
We've ordered a lot of Domino's recently. I, I like, well, they have a buffalo chicken that I really like, and they have a Philly cheesesteak pizza that's really pretty good, too. So, See, up north, like where I lived in Maine, I had Pizza Hut, and then I had Little Caesars for like two years until it went out of business. So the only real pizza I had was Pizza Hut, and those cheese breadsticks are my favorite. They are good. Absolutely. Yeah. So Pizza Hut for me. There's definitely some things at Pizza Hut that I liked, and um, definitely, so, especially when you know how to make it, <laughs> you know, if I walked into a store, I could make it and yeah. make it the way I want, but I would say, I don't think there's anybody that has a supreme, uh, like a pizza supreme combination down more than pizza. I think they have the best supreme. What I'm seeing based on the poll, this very scientific poll that we're doing, is that Papa John's is in third place pretty securely and then Pizza Hut's in second and Domino's is in first but Pizza Hut's making a comeback in the comments right now don't call it a comeback <laughs> they've been there for years <laughs> just told my age it's true because I don't know what that was but I enjoy the oh tone my gosh oh. <laughs> no Hey guys, I'm younger than Pastor. In case there was a question, oh, that's what this moment. No, is. that's a classic. <laughs> no. My husband is also groaning. This is what hangouts at the Wright's house typically look at, look like. So that's exciting. Oh no. I'm sorry for failing you in this moment. I pledge to do better. <laughs> <laughs> LL Cool J. That's better than the guess. I was gonna guess Rocky after he. Oh, yeah, just no. <laughs> Let's not discuss it any further. Mm. I've brought dishonor to my pastor. <laughs> Holly says, I know that one. <laughs> well, I can still see I'm touting the red face. That's awesome. Right. Yeah. Carrying I, that on. Yeah. I was, Maybe it'll turn into tan sometime. <laughs> I believe. I'm, I'm really excited to be tan, but I'm really interested what the tan lines that I've accumulated through driving church, what it's going to look like when it stops being a burn. Because I've got like triangles, different plates, like I like on my arms and like right below my, it's, it's weird. I look really weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite a farmer's tan. It's, it's a driving church worship leader burn. So that's I really I got a lot of red on my nose. You did. Hmm. Probably shouldn't have that. I didn't realize it because in person I don't think it's as noticeable, but I noticed it on camera yesterday. Like it looks more yeah. red on camera than it does in person. Yeah, I just I got crispy on Sunday from preaching drive-in church. Yeah, <laughs> but that's all right. Um, well, hey guys, uh, share the broadcast and really right now let me know what city and state or country you're watching from. We have people that literally watch from all over the world. So put in, drop it in the comments real quick, and let's jump in. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 23. Is there anything else to handle? Nope, bye. <laughs> awesome. 1 Samuel 23, and let's go to verse 6. We're talking about the man who would be king. The man who would be king, the man who would be, uh, the person who would be a leader, the person who would be a minister, the person who would be a supervisor, 
uh, the person who would just be a good disciple that raises up other disciples. And uh, so let's, we're looking at the characteristics of it. Anybody that would be fivefold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, uh, Sunday school leader, uh, president or CEO of a company, a shift supervisor, a servant leader, uh, anything, a president of a country. These are the things, these are the characteristics that they need to walk in. And why? Because the characteristics of God will cause you to succeed. So we've been looking at really a great contrast between King Saul and King David. And a lot of times, you know, when we're looking at Saul, it's really, uh, you're saying, well, this is what not to do. <laughs> and uh, many times when you're looking at David, this is what you do. And uh, so as we look at it, when we look at 1 Samuel 23, uh, what's happened here is David went to a temple. He found a priest who gave him some food and gave him Goliath's sword. Uh, so he had a weapon. And then Saul comes in, he slaughters uh, the priest and their family. Of course, this is an easy one, what not to do. And so then you see also that Saul is deceived. He doesn't realize he's deceived. Uh, he's completely deceived. And he now, in his head, completely wrong, completely wrong, but in his head, completely deceived, he thinks David is plotting to get him and setting ambush uh, ambushments for him. Of course, he's completely wrong, but he's got plenty of people around him that will yes, uh, be yes men. And so one guy in the last chapter, he's the one, he, he's seeking for position. He, Saul's listening to the wrong voices in his deception. And everybody else is saying, you know, there's a lot of people around him that are saying, I don't think this is right. I'm not going to kill these priests. But then he's got one guy, and I guess this is when I've seen it in experiences. He's got one guy, I think his name was Doeg, that basically says, hey, you're right, Saul, I'll kill him. And so then Saul takes that as... Instead of taking that as like, wait a minute, all these other guys said no. I've got this one guy saying yes. Instead of judging himself and letting the light of God shine on him, he takes that as confirmation. And I, and I made this statement uh, last week, I believe. There's always going to be somebody to confirm your deception. There always will be somebody to confirm a deception. I've never really seen it where there wasn't. And so put that in the comments because that is a trap to watch out for. And just put, you know, a trap. There's always someone that will confirm a deception. Uh, there's always someone that will confirm a deception. And this is a big trap to watch out for. I've watched many ministers fall into that trap. But then we fast forward, and remember, David is on the run. Saul is trying to kill him. But even in the middle, what we talked about last uh, yesterday in verse 1 through 6, is David's on the run, but even in the midst of being on the run, a good leader, he delivered the people. There was a group of people, they're being slaughtered. And what was, in other words, what is on the heart and the mind of a good leader? People. People is on the heart and mind of a good leader, not their selves, people. See, anything David does besides run and hide puts himself in the limelight. What was on the heart and mind of a good, of a good leader? People is on the heart and mind. So put that in there. A good leader always has people on, it, on their heart and mind, not their selves. 
A good leader always has people on their heart and mind, not their selves. All right? Now, the second thing that we saw yesterday in these verses is David went, David inquired of the Lord. Many people are moving through life, but they're not actually inquiring of God on a regular basis. They're not seeking the Lord, and they're not learning how to flow with the Holy Ghost through life and hear, okay, here a leading here, here a leading there. So yesterday we talked a lot about the leading of God. Now we're going to jump into this, and let's go to uh, verse uh, 6. It says, or excuse me, yep, let's see here, verse 5. It says, Thus David delivered the inhabitants of Keilah. Verse 6, Now it came about when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David. Ahimelech was the priest that Saul killed. Abiathar escaped. Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David at Keilah, that he came down with an ephod in his hand. All right, so this is a priestly robe. So what you have here is you have the anointed person of David, but you also have a priest. And he says, when it, when, uh, verse 7, When it was told Saul that David had come to Keilah, Saul said, Now watch this deception. God has delivered him into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering a city with double gates and bars. So Saul summoned all the people for war to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. Now look at what a bad leader does. A bad leader looks at circumstances without inquiring of God and assumes God has given them the victory. A bad leader assumes from circumstances that God is up to something. In other words, you know, many times when we're talking about being led by God, one of the things that happens is uh, we do what Gideon did. We put out fleeces. But in the New Testament, that is not the way of God for believers. You go over to Romans chapter 6, and, or Romans chapter 8, and you see that the Holy Spirit witnesses to our spirit, and the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. And you see that He is always desiring to lead us by Spirit, not by what we see. Remember this also, this multiple places. The just or the righteous live life to the full till it overflows from John 10.10. 10. They live by faith, not by sight. So one of the things that we have to understand is God is not the only one that can make things happen in this world. The devil can't just go and make things happen. The keys have been taken apart. But there are plenty of people that will listen to the flesh and to the voice of the devil that will allow themselves to be motivated and they will make something happen. So it, many times people are looking for a sign when they're looking to their leading. Uh, Lord, show me a sign. Well, that's not the New Testament way. That's not the way of God in the New Testament. And so even when you ask that question, you're opening yourself up for signs to come in many ways. And so any sign that we see, we think that that's God answering our, our question. But here's the issue. We're asking God to do something that goes crosswise to His way. He's saying be led by the Spirit. You're asking to be led by the flesh and by what you see. 
He says you walk by faith and not by sight. So we're asking God to go against the New Testament way. Is he bound by any, for anything to answer that? No. So our lack of knowledge of how the Lord leads gets us to ask a question opposite of his way. The devil obliges and all of a sudden we have a, a, what we think is a confirmation of God. A good leader understands how God talks. Put that in the comments. A good leader understands how God talks, how he communicates. A good leader understands the ways that God communicates. A bad leader just looked for anything that they see to justify what they want to do. So here Saul wants to kill David. So he looks at David being in this city and says, look, and now look, he's, he hadn't even inquired of God. All he does is say, look, God has, God has done this. He puts the God stamp on this action. And he's saying to the people, God's doing this. Well, that's almost blasphemous. So how many people have fallen into this trap where they attribute the things of God and it's not God at all? This was not God giving David into Saul's hand. This was not God at all, but yet a bad leader will stamp God on it. That reminds me of uh, the, some of the popes back in the time of the Crusades. You literally had popes. We know that the only way to God in the New Testament is through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the door. No man, no man comes to the Father but through me. You had the Pope saying and telling people, if you go and do what we, you, we want you to do down in the Holy Land, you'll, if you die, you'll go to heaven. They never, that, they never said anything about accepting Jesus. So this is a guy wanting to get done what he wants to do, and yet he's stamping God said this as a spiritual authority. Man, how many people are in hell because they thought that dying for him would take them to heaven? You know, this is not the way that it is. And so that's why we have to study to show ourselves approved, be like the Bereans in Acts 17, and being more noble to go and search the scriptures for what's being said and preached and know that we know that God said it, not just a preacher or a so-called spiritual authority or an authority of a country uh, like, like King Saul was. So here he is, he's saying it. I imagine that inside the spirit of each man was like, I'm not sure God's behind us going and killing David. And they should have made more of a fuss about it. But I, I imagine that they knew something's off about this but here was Saul stamping God's approval on it. Let's go kill David. A bad leader knows how to hear from God. And a bad leader doesn't assume by his sight or by confirmations in the flesh that this is God or not God. They hear from the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit witnesses to their uh, spirit. So this is a horrible statement. God has delivered him into his hand. So what's he doing? All these people, they love God. And what's the danger of this? So as a leader, this is why you don't just throw around God said this and God said that. Watch this. As a leader, all the people around Saul, they love God. So when their leader, who was anointed by God... But now he's made some, he's gotten off track with God. You notice what it doesn't say here. He didn't inquire of God. He just assumed. He just assumed. 
So now these people that love God has their leader saying, this is God. Well, and now they're put into this place. Well, if I love God, I'm going to go do what God's wanting to do. So the leader is literally leading them off base and leading them off track. A good leader does not tag something with the God stamp unless God actually said that. And so this is why uh, you've heard me say this before. Absolutes are unbecoming on the lips of novices. Absolute. So here's Saul making an absolute statement. But the truth is he's a novice in hearing from God and he's not heard from God. And now it's going to eventually he's completely proven wrong in all of this. But in the meantime, uh, people are hurt and destroyed because he's in leadership. The Bible teaches us very clearly that if a leader is godly, the people will rejoice. But if a leader is bad or ungodly, it puts the people into a bondage. We need to make sure that as a leader, we're following God. That's why even when we vote, when we vote We're not looking for who's promising the most. We're not looking for the person who will, quote-unquote, turn the economy around. We are looking for the person that's going to uphold this word. And I'll tell you that most of the time, that person, the most godly person, but we also want to know, who does God want in that office? Are we inquiring of God? Are we just looking at all the stuff on the surface? Are we spending time in prayer and seeking the Lord? Many times the most godly person is actually cut out in the primaries because you've got people looking at the flesh and looking at the logical instead of looking at, Lord, what would you like? Instead of inquiring of God. All right, so look here. He says, uh, verse 8, So Saul summoned all the people for war to go down to Keilah and besiege David and his men. Verse 9, Now David knew that Saul was plotting evil against him, so he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring the ephod here. Then David said, O Lord God of Israel, Your servant has heard for certain that Saul is seeking to come to Keilah to destroy the city on my account. What is he doing? He's inquiring of the Lord again. He's inquiring of the Lord again. Lord, what's going to happen here? What do I need to do? He says, Lord, I've heard he's coming down here to destroy me. Verse 11, Lord, look at this direct question. Will the men of Keilah surrender me into his hand? Will the men of Keilah surrender me into Saul's hand? Two, will Saul come down just as your servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. Now look at this relationship here. Now I want you to see something. Is, does David have Jesus? No. Is David, does he have Jesus that has connected him back to the Father because of sin? No. They're under the old law, the old covenant. And, but look at what he's doing. Here he's talking and communicating with God Almighty and God's answering. How much more will he communicate and answer somebody that is now connected through Jesus Christ in a better covenant? 
See, we have a right to hear from the Lord as his children, as his family, as, as a part of the kingdom. We have a right to hear from him. God wants to talk to us. He wants to talk to us. You know, we talked about yesterday, we talked about talking to the Lord, but also we talked about the importance of relationship with your spiritual leaders and the fact that they can be used to confirm. Hear this, confirm. Not control or tell you what to do, but to confirm. The, the better design is that each person has an intimacy with the Father, and, and then when they go immediately, as soon as they think they have leading, they take it to their pastor, to their spiritual leader, and say, I believe I've heard this, what do you think? Don't set it in your heart because anybody, including myself, I can hear wrongly or I can be biased about certain things and, and not hear what I think I'm hearing because just like Saul here who thinks it's God when it's really not. Who hasn't missed it when they thought they heard from God? I'd like to see those hands. Who has not missed it when you thought you heard from God? Everybody has. All right, well, are you assuming that from this point forward you'll never, ever, ever, ever miss it again? And do you know the importance on that moment, that one, that one point? Do you really know? I've seen big things turn out to be little, but I've also seen little things turn out to be huge. So how important is it when we hear from the Lord? Very important. But what happens is that person has an intimacy with God and then before they set themselves in stone, set themselves in concrete, they move over and they say, hey, pastor, what do you think about this? And what should happen is they, they start to learn what the voice of the Lord sounds like. I can't tell you how many people have brought stuff to me and it was God, but I, there were many more who brought stuff thinking it was God and it wasn't God at all. And so I watch people making these little decisions all the time and it's destroying their life and they think God's telling them to do it. So now who are they blaming? God. And it wasn't God. It was their flesh. It was their bias. It was this type of thing. And their life has literally become unraveled because of it. And this is why we have spiritual leaders in our life to help us know what's coming up. Is this the voice of the Lord or isn't it? I can't tell you how many times I've watched that hurt people, harm people, kill people because they've died because of the decisions they thought was God. All right. So then uh, you see here that David's saying, Lord, tell me, if, if he can receive an answer from God, how much more can we today receive an answer from God? So then he says, hey, will this? And the Lord said, hey, Saul will come down. He will come down. Then David said, Will the men of Keilah surrender me into my, and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will surrender you. Now think about this. David and his men just delivered Keilah. They just delivered Keilah. You would think they would be pretty loyal to David. They, they just delivered them from the hand of the Philistines. But are they? No. Know this, as a leader, the people that you think will be loyal won't always be loyal to you. They won't always be loyal to you. Know that going in and don't do things, don't do things, a good leader doesn't do things to buy loyalty 
or to buy favor. A good leader does not do things just to buy favor and loyalty and blessings from the people. Watch that. A good leader, put this in the comments, a good leader does not simply take action just to buy a blessing. So now why is that important? Because if I'm going into a situation only for what I can get out of it, my motivation is off. But if I go into a situation and I'm serving somebody, even if I know they may not be loyal to me, I'm loving them, I'm serving them, now my motivation is correct and I'm good even if they turn. So many times what I was expecting as a young minister was I was saying, okay, I'm going to help this person get out of this spiritual bind. And uh, when I do that, they'll come to the church and they'll be there for you know, years and years and we'll be together and be like family and everything. And then a year later or two, they just stop coming and stop showing up. And now I'm hurt. Why? Because I had different expectations. Listen, I believe in God that people will do the right thing, but I understand not everybody, just like Keela here, not everybody is going to be loyal when they should be loyal. Hear this. Here's the key point. But just because they're not going to do it right doesn't give me a right not to do the right thing. It doesn't give me a right to do the wrong thing. Like, oh, well, Kilo's being, you know, they're being destroyed. Well, I'm just going on because they probably turn on me anyway. No, you've got the ability to go help. You should go help. You've got the ability to get that person out of bondage, and they're wanting you to help them get out of bondage. Get them out of bondage. Whether they stick around or not is on them. Whether they're loyal or not is on them, but I won't be found doing the wrong thing just because the majority of people will do the wrong thing. I have a statement the Lord gave me years ago, and it says this, Never does the wrongdoing of someone else give me a right to do wrong. Never does the wrongdoing of someone else give me a right to do wrong. I must do the things of love no matter what anybody else is doing. And what you'll find is when you operate like that, you're putting the kingdom first and God's righteousness, and he makes this promise in Matthew 6, All these things will be added. Many people do not have, I want you to have things added to you. Many people do not have things added to their lives because when it comes down to those decisions, they're not putting the kingdom and God first. They're putting protection of their self Protection of their emotions first. Well, I know they'll probably ditch me anyway. I'm not going to go waste my time uh, with them. That's not what Jesus did, praise God. You realize he says wide is the path that leads to destruction and narrow is the gate that leads to righteousness. Leads Basically, he knows the majority of people are not going to choose him. He knew that and he came anyway. This is Jesus. This is what a good leader does. And so here's Keilah, who should be loyal to David. At the very least, see, okay, Keilah wasn't able to defend themselves against the Philistines. They're probably not going to be able to defend themselves against Saul either. But at the very least, they should be looking for a way to defend David or to protect him. 
right? They should be looking for a way to protect them, but the Lord tells them they're going to they're hand you over. <laughs> now, here's the thing. To David and his men, the last, I think the last time we heard he was about 400 men. For David and these 400 men, how important is it that they had a leader that inquired of God? Because otherwise they're sitting there and Saul would have just wiped them out. Keilah would have handed them over and Saul would have killed them all. How important it saved every one of their lives because they had a leader that on a regular basis inquired of God. He just inquired a few verses ago, can I go and take and save Keilah? Yes, you can. Go take it. I'll give the Philistines into your hand. Uh, is Saul going to come and get me? Yes, he is. Is Keilah going to give us up? Yes, they are. See, he's, he's inquiring of God on a regular basis. Do you know where this was found? Do you know where this was established in his life? When he was a shepherd boy, when nobody knew him. He spent time worshiping God, praising him, meditating, spending time in fellowship with the Lord while he was out there in the field. All he's doing in the wilderness here, now saving lives, is the same thing he did as a shepherd boy, just interacting with God. See, this is the key, Acts 17, 28. In him, we live and move and have our being. In him, we live and move and have our being. So then he says this, verse 13. Then, oh, excuse me, it was 600 men by now. They added to him. Then David and his men, about 600, arose and departed from Keilah. And they went wherever they could go, when it was told Saul that David had escaped from Keilah, he gave up the pursuit. So now watch this. Here's wisdom. Many people would say, no, i got to stand up and fight Saul. That enough is enough. i got to stand up and fight him. Watch this. Saul gave up his pursuit simply by David just leaving. He just gave up his pursuit. That was an easy battle to win. So easy. All he had to do was, Lord, what do you want me to do? The Lord says, hey, here's what's going to happen. David leaves. No battle. No lives lost. He, this was not the day. This was not the day for David to take on Saul. Now you're going to find it never is the day for him to take on Saul. But many people would say, you've got to stand up for it. You've got to fight. I've got people right now that in different circumstances, political, all kinds of different ways, multiple areas, well, you've got to stand up and fight. You've got to take action on it. You do at the word of God and at the word of God only. God knows how to get in touch with you. He knows how to get loud. He knows how to get your attention, even if you're missing it. Here's the question. How's your relationship? Are you in the place where God can speak to you? Or you haven't even worshipped him in months alone? You haven't been in the word for weeks how's our relationship you haven't prayed in the spirit in in days how's our relationship with him now again just because you go into those times I, I i've told you before i had one person one time that they said that they read their bible two to three hours every day but here's the thing they never let their bible reading actually change them it wasn't actually an interaction. They were just, they felt like paying a price. Let me read my Bible and I'm going to pay, pay a price here. But they never actually let this word change them, transform them. And they were just almost a wretched person. 
a wretched person. So just because you spend time or somebody says that they do doesn't mean that they're actually in fellowship. You know, I can say I see Nicole every day, but if I never talk to my wife, if I never actually interact with her, do we have a relationship? No, I just we live in the same house together. But if I interact with her, if we have communication, if we spend time together, that's a different situation. That's relationship. That's fellowship. So many people are going through the motions, but they're not actually having a relationship with God. But because of David's relationship with God that started when nobody knew him, now he has a relationship that's saving lives, saving the lives in Keilah, saving the lives of his men, that's not dishonoring the anointed people. This is what a good leader does. So then let's look here. Verse 14, David stayed in the wilderness. Let me go back to 13. It says, so when it was told Saul that David had escaped from Keilah, he gave up the pursuit. A good leader knows when it's time to take action and when it's not. You know, Jesus, who went to the cross, also passed through the crowd that wanted to kill him. Saul, who went to Rome and was eventually killed, also got lowered down in a basket, right? Uh, You have a moment where it's time to stand up and do something. But you also have a moment where God says, no, escape. All right? Verse 14, David stayed in the wilderness, in the strongholds, and remained in the hill country in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. The Lord kept David. He kept him. And here he is. Saul, the king, is after him every day. But he couldn't get him because the Lord's hand was there to protect him. The Lord's hand will protect you just the same if you will put yourself in his hand. Now, when I say put yourself in his hand, I'm not saying that you just say, yeah, I'll do whatever the Lord does. I'm saying you'll say it and you'll act on it. You actually, you have to humble yourself to his way. I think I mentioned this on Sunday, but I'll mention it again. Many people are sitting there and they'll come and they'll want to be healed by the Lord. And they'll, and they'll be healed on the spot. But then they'll come back. They won't come back to church for two years. And then all of a sudden they'll come back when they have another problem. If they only knew that God will keep them out of those problems, if they would simply do it his way. But they're kind of saying, like, I know where my provision is in God, but I don't want to do it his way. So they're going to face many issues and many problems simply because they won't put themselves in the hands of God. They won't do it his way. A humble person and a hungry person is going to go into this word and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do that? And they're going to say, look, I'll do it your way. And God says, if you do it my way, it'll be so much easier. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. But if you don't go Jesus' yoke, his burden is easy. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. If you don't do it God's way, it's going to be hard. It's going to be heavy. So as a pastor, my heart hurts for that all the time because I watch people going through hard and heavy and they just, they're fighting like hand over fist and all it comes down to a matter of discipline or it comes down to a matter of, of humility and it's like, just submit to God. You don't have to submit to me necessarily, submit to God. 
But if you're submitting to God, then you do submit to your spiritual authorities as well. It goes hand in hand. But many times people are fighting that and they're not realizing how easy it could be. But like David, he put himself, hey, Lord, what do you want me to do? God protects them. It's beautiful. God wants to protect you uh, the same way. Verse 15. Now David became aware that Saul had come out to seek his life while David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horesh. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David at Horesh and encouraged him in God. Praise God for godly friends who don't just beat you down. Praise God for godly friends who will not be like Job's friends that just tell you everything wrong. Well, David, if you do this, if you do that, if you do... They don't just tell you that, but they encourage you in the Lord. You got this. You can, you, can, you can do this. You and Jesus can do this. Now, understand that my job as a pastor is not just sit up here and tell people all day long, you got this, you're going to do great. That's not my job. My job, love rebukes, disciplines, corrects, exhorts as well. This is an exhortation. But love also disciplines. It corrects and it shows that. So you're looking for somebody who knows how to do both and knows when to do those things. A good leader knows when to exhort, when to discipline, or when to correct, and when to rebuke, right? A good leader knows when to do those three things. He knows when to do each one. And, and just because he feels like correcting doesn't mean it's time to correct. It can be time to exhort. Just, call, just when he feels like exhorting doesn't mean it's time to. It may be time to discipline. God disciplines those that he loves. So love very much uh, is going to have all these facets to it, all these different sides to it. Love does this. Uh, oh, man, Ted Jr. over on Periscope. Good to see you, man. Love you. So love is going to discipline. Love is going to uh, correct and rebuke, but it also exhorts. Here you see Jonathan stepping in, and when his very father is trying to take out David, Jonathan stepping in as a brother, and he's sharing the love of God. He's exhorting him right there. Verse 17, thus he said to him, Jonathan said, Do not be afraid, because the hand of Saul my father will not find you, and you will be king over Israel, and I will be next to you. And Saul, my father, knows that also. Now, do you understand what Jonathan's saying here? Jonathan is heir to the throne through his father Saul. Jonathan is heir to the throne, but he recognizes the hand of the Lord. The, the hand of God is not on my father. The hand of God is on David. And he says, look, David, I'm going to hand over my kingship and you're going to be king. A good leader recognizes the anointing on somebody and exhorts that, doesn't just try to stay on the throne themselves. A good leader knows, see, again, if I go through all of my life as a pastor and I don't have the people around me if I don't have Paul, I think Paul was on earlier, if I don't have Paul rise up and be better than I am, then I have failed. If I don't have Barrett rise up and become better than I am, then I have failed. Buddy and Serena, if you don't rise up and become better and stronger and faster than I am, then I've failed as a pastor. That's the way I view it. 
I'm not looking to be the best. I'm looking to be the springboard for them to be better than I was. I'm looking for me to be an Elijah, and you can be an Elisha with double those things. That's what a good leader does. A good leader recognizes the things of God. A good leader sees his leadership in Sherman, George, Deb, like, like here at Boomerang. He sees these anointings. He sees the anointings on Priscilla, the anointings on Mark. He sees these anointings uh, in like John Napier and Stephen Hurlburt. And he does anything he can to lift these people up. He sees the anointing and the giftings like in Johnny and Holly and Melissa. He sees these anointings and says, how can I, they're not all called to do the same thing, but how can I raise them up in what they are called to do and what they're called to be so that they can be the strongest in Christ ever? A good leader recognizes the anointing and says, how can I impart to them, uh, Ted, Ted Jr., if he's still on, uh, put up a, Ted, come on Facebook if you're still on there and put up a link, if you would, to your book, book Further Faster. Or if somebody has that, put it up. He just wrote a book on impartation. How for, you can go further, faster than the generation before if you'll understand impartation. But a part of impartation is that the disciple learns how to honor the person that is anointed to, to throw them up higher. They, they recognize and they say, like, like today, you know, many people, the reason why they don't watch the broadcast is they feel like they don't have to. They don't recognize the importance of the words that are going out every day. There's a daily word that's raising us higher in that way. Many people don't recognize that, so they don't esteem it, right? And so what happens is they don't hear the very word that they need to hear. In order to go further faster, you must get to the place where you start to honor what God is doing. Thank you guys. Buddy and Barrett both put up the link to it. So you must understand, uh, Barrett, put that up across all of Restream, not just on Facebook. So put up that link. Uh, you must understand that in order to receive impartation, I must hang out with the people I'm receiving impartation from. I can't just sit there and just say, well, it's just going to happen no matter what. No. The, in uh, 2 Corinthians 9, you can move higher and have a bigger harvest in your righteousness. So that means everybody that's in Christ has made the righteousness of God in Christ. But they don't all have the same harvest because they won't plant the same seeds. Sometimes planting seeds is just planting our butt in a chair and listening, right? And you know, I'm, looking, I'm looking here today. There's people that are here that don't have to be. Uh, there's, you can, okay, never mind. Um, there's people that are here that, like Buddy and Serena, they're sitting here. They didn't have to be here. They didn't have to be here. Priscilla, she didn't have to step in and be a part of this. George didn't have to be here. There's people that don't have to, but they're saying, I recognize there's something, and I know where I'm planted, and I'm going to honor and esteem that. And if I honor and esteem it, I'm going to see an impartation, and I will go further. I will go faster. But a lot of times people won't do that, and so they'll never fulfill their destiny. They'll never fulfill their destiny. I'll give you a part of this. Um, when we first started the church in 2009, I never, never, never conceived that I would travel to as many uh, revivals, 
conferences, places that I've gone. Travel was not a part of my plan. I wanted to just stay in Albemarle, and I knew that I'd go some places every now and then, but I had no idea the Lord would send me to places on purpose. What was he doing? He was getting me around people that were carrying the fire of God so that I could get an impartation. In other words, he was getting me around people so that I could go further faster. And now I have people coming to me, even some that questioned my travel in the early years. They look at it now and they say, and now I see what God was doing. He was preparing you to think bigger. He was preparing you to go higher, to go faster. This is, this is an impartation that doesn't happen. Do you understand? That could not happen if I hadn't just sat there. When nobody knew me, when nothing was going on, it couldn't happen unless I just sat there. When, when Pastor Rodney didn't even know my name, when Pastor Tracy didn't even know who I was, but I just sat and I ministered. I, listened, I ministered to the Lord by waiting on him and hearing whatever it was. When there were people that had no idea, you know, and you just sit there and you just receive for yourself. You grow yourself. So important, but people don't want to give that. We're in such a microwave society, they don't want to sit. Uh, when you go to Pastor Rodney's, you may be sitting there for a five, six, seven hour meeting. And a lot of times people are sitting there and they're like bored and wondering what in the world is he doing? You know, they're all logical and all fleshly over it. And I'm just sitting there like, Lord, whatever you want to do. If all we're doing is he's just sitting there in a trance in the Holy Ghost, I'm sitting here and I'm honoring the gifting on his life. And whatever you want to transfer and impart, I'm receiving it. See, it's in those moments that you find out who you really are. And a good leader knows how to receive impartation, and a good leader knows how to give impartation and recognize, like what Jonathan does here, he recognizes the anointing that's on David's life, and he does what he needs to do to advance it. In the case of Jonathan, he needed to put down what the world would say was his position and his right. Just like, just like John the Baptist. John the Baptist, the most popular preacher in the area at the time, but he says very clearly, Jesus must increase and I must decrease. A good leader knows how to put himself down when the world would say you need to rise up. What we're actually seeing with David, we're really going to see it tomorrow when we look at uh, chapter 24. We're really going to see that David understands that he could take the throne, but he doesn't. He puts his flesh down, and that's why he became great. So here's Jonathan encouraging him. Verse 18, so the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. And David stayed at Horesh while Jonathan went to his house. The, then Ziphites came up to Saul at Gibeah saying, Is David not hiding with us in the strongholds of Horesh on the hill of Hakla, which is on the son of Jesimon? Now then, O king, come down according to all the desire of your soul to do so, and our part shall be to surrender him into the king's hand. Saul said, May you be blessed of the Lord, for you have had compassion on me. All this is wrong. All of this is wrong. 
You've got yes men trying to win a position with the king, doing it by worldly logic, and you got Saul saying, this is the Lord again. You, one thing I want you to see, let, let's think about this, because many people don't think about this when they go into leadership. These Ziphites, they're the same people that David is going to serve when he becomes king. The same people that he will love on, the, the Keilah people, the Ziphites, all these people around this area, these are going to be people that David will be serving as king once he gets there. Yet right now, they're handing him over to Saul left and right. Right now, they're handing him over. What's the natural feeling of that? Well, I'll remember this when I get on the throne. I'll remember this. No, a good leader excuses it, forgives it, and serves them anyway. Never does the wrongdoing of someone else give me the right to do wrong. So see, these are people, I can tell you, you know, I can tell you, there have been people that, it's like, I can understand a frustration here. Can't, don't you imagine that David at least had the thought in his flesh, or can't you imagine how he would? I'm called to lead you. I'm anointed to be your king, and you're trying to get me killed. You're doing the very thing you shouldn't do. Trust me, I have felt that emotion many times as a leader. And people don't understand that. But here's the key. What makes you great is not that you recognize the, the seat that you're called to, but then when people that you're called to serve even treat you bad, you're able to forgive them and serve them anyway. And serve them anyway with love. <laughs> with love so many people don't see that they don't think about that like I'm trying to help you right now and you're going against me I've been in many meetings of counseling and different different people and people that have been becoming against me the devil has deceived their mind and now I'm somehow some way he's twisted in their head that I'm their enemy and he does that he does that on a regular basis and people have twisted it in their head. And I'm sitting there trying to serve them and love them while they're trying to stab me and, you know, stab me. And it's like, just, just stop. It's kind of like, you know, uh, like a dog that's called in a trap that tries to bite the person uh, that's letting them out of the trap. Uh, this, is, this is the issue that many leaders will find themselves in. Many times you will find yourself in the situation where the very person you're trying to help turns around and tries to bite you. Forgive them. Move in love. Don't hold it against them. That's what a good leader does. That's the heart of God. You know, you realize that many people have been atheist and agnostic. I mean, really, coming against God. God's still got Jesus waiting for them. He still has Jesus waiting for them. And when it turns, it's going to be amazing. They'll be some of the greatest people for the kingdom of God. As soon as their heart changes, they realize that God's not against them. God's for them in every way. 22. Go now, I believe this is Saul speaking. Go now, make more sure and investigate and see his place and where his haunt is and who has seen him there, for I am told that he is very cunning. So look and learn about, you see, can you see that Saul in his mind has created a monster of David? He's created a, a, a bad leader, 
creates a monster of deception. A bad leader creates that. So you have to watch these little, these are little red flags to show you that you're off. I'm telling you, I've been this guy too. I've been the one that's created a monster out of somebody that wasn't really that bad. But I, I listened to my flesh and, and I pondered on it. And it really all stems with meditating on the wrong things, which is why Philippians 4.8 is so important. Think on things worthy of praise. It wraps it all up. Everything you think on, think on things worthy of praise. If it's not worthy of praise, stop thinking on it. You know, put that in the comments. If it's not worthy of praise, stop thinking on it. <laughs> but Saul obviously has thought on it. I'm told that David is very cunning. See, in Saul's mind, David's like deceiving people and telling people that Saul's awful and turning people against Saul. And David's not doing that at all. I, I, I can so relate. I'm telling you, I can relate as a pastor with David here because I've watched this. You know, I know that other people in ministry have seen that. You know, Barrett and George, y'all have seen that happen. Where, I mean, people that you loved on all of a sudden, I mean, they just think you are the devil. Now, here's the thing that you have to understand. The Lord told me this years ago. Love will prove you right. You just keep operating in love, and love will prove you right. There have been times when I've had people that left the church cussing me as they left. And I'd see them, and I'd just go love on them. I'd just go love on them. And they, they would, did not know what to do with that. Love will prove you right. Love will prove you right. Love will prove you right. Let me, let me say this right here. You remember the statement, this is something that I see many pastors, uh, I, I definitely had a hard time with this, and I think many pastors and leaders have. You know the statement that says, uh, leave the 99 to go seek for the one lost? So I really had a hard time with that because I would understand that the people in order to actually receive have to come to, they had to come to Jesus, they need to come to their pastor. They have to come to them. They have to humble themselves in order for grace to be passed. They have to connect with them in order for anointing to pass. They have to do that. They have to humble themselves and connect with the leader in order for the blessings to pass the the way that God has designed it. I didn't design it that way. God designed it that way. And yet, I would see people leave the church and I would say, Lord, I want to go and save that person. I want to go save them. They're lost and, and I know that they're mad and I know that they, they left on bad terms, but I want to go and save them. And I tried doing that a couple of times. Always backfired. I'm like, why does it backfire? I don't understand. And, and then it was like I would hear the Lord say, no, don't go to them. I'm like, but your, your word says... Leave the 99 and go get the lost. And I didn't understand that. For years, I didn't understand. It just came to me in the last year or two. And I finally saw it. I finally, and the Lord spoke this to me. He said, he said you got to understand the difference between a lost sheep and a rebellious sheep. A lost sheep wants to be found and wants to come home. <laughs> a rebellious sheep doesn't want to be found and doesn't want to come home. And, he's, and he said, so you have to ask the Lord, you have to ask the Lord, am I to go get them or not? Because he only knows the condition of their heart. Are they lost or are they rebellious? 
<laughs> a lost sheep wants to be found. And a lost sheep wants to come home. They're looking for ways to come home. There's, there's a difference there. So here, you know, it's important for leaders to understand the difference. Or otherwise, what they'll do is they'll be very hurt when they go to try and capture or bring home a rebellious sheep, and that rebellious sheep bites them. They'll be, they'll be very hurt by that. And I was. I was very hurt by that. And um, so, in other words, some people, the re- part of the reason why I say that is this. I think many people have left the church and then they wonder why I haven't gone chasing after them. Because they, they're not lost. They're wanting to go away. And they're wanting to believe what they believe. And that puts them in the category of being rebellious. I'm not going, and if I go, I'm only, even if they're not like full out rebellious, I'm forcing myself on them. And it's, my job is to be the leader. If I go and I try to give my time away to somebody who doesn't want it, how much am I taking away from the person that does? So who gets the time? The one who comes humbly, the one who comes and wants to connect. That's the people that need that, the people that are changing, that are growing. So whoever's wanting to grow, I give my time to. I mean, the leaders here will say, if you want my time, all you got to do is ask for it. It doesn't matter who you are. You just ask for it, and I'll give it to you. You know, I'll, I'll pour into you. I'll let you. I'll let you be a part of my life almost 24-7. Not quite, but almost. Almost. But if you don't want it, you won't ask for it. That's the thing. People will do what they want to do. If they want the time, they'll do it. And it, they can say all they want to, I want the time. But if they don't do it, they don't go after it, they won't. You know, I, would, I told my pastor years ago, I said, look, I want to hang out with you. And he said, well, okay, let, you know, you know, let's do it. I was like, I scheduled one day every single, this is while I was working a full-time job. I took time off and didn't get paid that day and took time off to go and be a part of my pastor life just so I could be around them just so I could be around them. I just wanted impartation. I just wanted these things. And so what I wanted in my core, in my heart, I made happen. People will do what they want to do. They can give you lip service on all kinds of things, but their actions will tell, their fruit will tell you where their heart is. Okay. He said... Verse 23, so look and learn about all the hiding places where, where David hides himself and return to me with certainty and I will go with you. If, and if he's in the land, I will search him out among all the thousands of Judah. Then they arose and went to Ziph before Saul. Now David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon and in the Arabah to the south of Jeshimon. All right, now, yeah, you're right. Melissa says, if it's a priority, they will do it. They will make the time. You're exactly right. And if it's not, they won't. They may say it for years, but they won't do it. You know, it's, it's kind of like this. Uh, if it's a priority, I'll exercise. If it's not, I won't. Apparently, recently, it hadn't been a priority. <laughs> I know nobody else is in that. If it's a priority, I'll do it. You know, 
If it's priority, I'll do it. If it's priority in my head, I'll do it. I'll make time for it. One thing I want you to see here too with Saul is this. Look at these, uh, the Ziphites coming to him. Don't you know that King Saul saw this as another confirmation of the Lord that he was right to go after David? Now, I want, you to, I want you to see something, because this is going to set up tomorrow. Tomorrow, uh, you're going to see a setup here that will lead to a major revelation tomorrow, okay? So, he thinks God is sending him to take out David. He thinks that David is coming against God by coming against him. This is where Saul's at. And now, uh, Doeg, who killed the priests, and now the Ziphites... Who, who are coming and trying to tell him. See, the Ziphites are just moving on their own natural behalf. They're like, he's the king, let's side with the king. He's more powerful right now. And all they're trying to do is protect themselves, cover their own tails. And they're coming to him, telling him about David. They're moving completely by the flesh, not by the will of God. But you know, Saul is receiving that as a confirmation that God is on your side. This is wrong. This is the trouble with deception. This is the trouble. By definition, when you're deceived, you don't know it. By definition, when you're deceived, the only way to break deception is to turn to humility. Now, verse 24. Then they arose and went to Ziph before Saul. Now David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon in the Arabah to the south of Jeshimon. When Saul and his men went to seek him, they told David. And he came down to the rock and stayed in the wilderness of Maon. And when Saul heard of it, he pursued David in the wilderness of Maon. 26. Saul went on one side of the mountain and David and his men on the other side of the mountain. And David was hurrying to get away from Saul for Saul and his men were surrounding David and his men to seize them. <laughs> I just got a picture of like, you know, the mountain and like Saul and, and David and they're back and forth like trying to catch them like kids playing tag. Except life hung in the balance of this one. 27. But a messenger came to Saul saying, hurry and come for the Philistines have made a raid on the land. So Saul returned from pursuing David and went to meet the Philistines. Therefore, they called the place the Rock of Escape. David went up from there and stayed in the strongholds of En Gedi. Now watch this. When you are a person of covenant fellowship, God moves on your behalf. Why? Because those that honor him he will honor. Right here, Saul almost has him. He has almost surrounded him. And right, right at that moment, a messenger comes and says, hey, the Philistines are attacking. We need you now. Hey, what if, the Phil what if that messenger got there just a little bit late? What if the messenger didn't come at all? Do you know how many times they probably were attacked without any messenger? Just so happens right at that moment, this was a supernatural escape. A supernatural escape. And that's why they called it the rock of escape. Because David was almost had right at that moment. Saul almost had him. And God intervened. People that are of covenant fellowship with the Father. Covenant fellowship. 
God will provide a way of escape. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. First Corinthians ten thirteen, no temptation has overtaken you. Now, if you've listened to me any time at all, you've learned that uh, temptation. This is any situation because tell me what tem- what situation you ever face that there's not a temptation to drop faith. Every situation has built into it. Uh, a temptation to drop godliness, to drop faith. So when it says no temptation, it's not just talking about an addiction or something like that. Only is saying that any situation you find, uh, you have a situ- you have a temptation to drop faith. So when you read no in this in this, uh, you're going to see that one of the first things it says is God is faithful. In other words, you can trust on Him. He's talking about a temptation here to drop faith. So you're not going to find yourself in any situation that's overtaken you. So no temptation or situation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man, and God is faithful. In other words, there's no situation, if you read this in other translations, you'll see it a little bit more clear. But basically what it's saying is this. You're not going to find yourself in a situation that God will not be faithful to you if you will partner up with him. If you will partner up with him. In other words, God will give you everything you need in every circumstance that you find yourself in if you'll just take him by the hand. He's saying, look, you may face a situation that's bigger than you. David just faced him a situation that was bigger than him. He was about to get caught and there was nothing he could do about it. He needed a supernatural intervention and that's exactly what happened. He's saying, if you will partner with God, there's no situation that is beyond what you and God can handle. And God is faithful, who will not... God, this is a promise by the Holy Ghost to you about the Father. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Don't you know that David and his men... They were starting to feel the pressure of the natural uh, logistics. We're about to get caught. And if we get caught, we're dead. But that's when you turn to God. That's when you stand up and you say, Lord, I know that you are on my side. I need your hand to deliver me. I know, Father, you are faithful. When you hit that hard spot in your life, a good leader, just a good disciple says, Lord, you are faithful. It starts quoting this verse. God, you are faithful and you will not allow me to be tempted beyond what I'm able. But with with the temptation, we'll provide a way of escape. In other words, what it's saying here, God will never allow you to get into a position that you cannot have an escape from. That's what this says. I'm not saying it. I'm not making it up. The Holy Ghost said it through Paul to the Corinthians, to the church. God will not allow you to even enter into that if there's not a way of escape. The fact that you're in it means an escape is available. The fact that you're in the situation means you're in that an escape is available. Now the question is, 
whether or not you find that escape is dependent on whether or not you take Jesus by the hand or not. So how important now is it for us to know his ways? We need to know his ways or otherwise we won't know what hand to take a hold of. But watch this. This is not the end of it. He's saying here, this is the lowest I want you to be. But if you go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, he says this. But thanks be unto God who always leads us to triumph in Christ. Again, if we'll take Jesus by the hand, he's not just leading us to an escape. That's the low point. That's if we miss something. That's, it. That's, that's, the, that's the mercy of God. That's the lowest portion of it. The highest portion is we won't just escape. We'll triumph. We will triumph in it. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. We're the people of God who will not sit and just always get beat up. No, we'll take him by the hand. You will take Christ by the hand and he'll not only lead you out, he'll lead you up. He'll not only lead you out, he'll lead you up to the triumphant places. And and not only that, but people will be watching your life the destiny of God in your life being fulfilled and manifest. And they'll say, look what God did. I need God in my life like that. And they'll come to you and they'll ask, what are you doing? And you'll say, I'm just trusting Jesus. I'm growing in him. I'm taking him by the hand. And, and if you take him by the hand, he'll do the same thing for you. But again, hear this. We can't just shout from the rooftops. We can't just shout from the rooftops. God will save me. And not discipline ourselves to take them by the hand and do things his way. In love, in the fruit of the spirit, in patience, in perseverance, in joy, in discipline. We can't just say, yeah, I'm gonna, God's going to save me and then not do it God's way. He's going to save you through his ways. Put that in the comments. Put it all caps. God will only save me through his ways. God will only save me through his ways, not mine. God will only save me through his ways, not mine. But when we'll do it his way, he's always leading you to triumph. He's always leading you to triumph. Every single time, that's his goodness, that's his nature. So let me just pray for you. Father, right now, I just pray. Lord, let us see your hand. Let us see your hands and take you by the hand. Let us see your ways and take you by the hand and walk out your ways, your ways of love, your ways of discipline, your ways of, of uh, even being rebuked and corrected. Lord, let me give myself to your ways. And if I'll do that, I'll take you by the hand and you will always lead us to triumph, Lord. Thank you, Father for leading us. Thank you for your faithfulness, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Just praise them with me. Just put it in the comments. Raise your hands right there. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you for empowering us. Thank you for connecting us to a faithful Father, a loving Father. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. Thank you, Father. You will never be unfaithful.
You will never be unfaithful. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. Lord, we praise you, we worship you, and we give you all of the glory. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. We just worship you today. We give you glory. We praise you. We worship you. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Yeah, we just praise you, Father. Lord, inhabit the praises of us today. Bring about solutions. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it and we praise you for it. Amen, amen, amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Did you receive something out of it? I hope you did. We just praise God for everything he's doing in your life. That's just awesome. And uh, you're welcome. Thank you, Priscilla, for that donation. If you'd like to donate on Facebook, you can do hashtag donate. You definitely don't have to. Uh, but some people definitely have a heart to, and we make that easily available for you. If you want to give, you can go to givebc.org, and uh, you can give there. Uh, it's real easy to do. So we love you. Have a great, great day. And uh, if you have any questions, welcome to drop them in the comments right now. And uh, we'll see if anybody has anything, or if y'all are sitting in here and have one, you can throw it at there now. So. Amen. Melissa, I pray that y'all, you and Van are doing awesome, and it's always so good to see you on here. We just love you so very, very much. Mom, have you been here the whole time? <laughs> She's there the whole time. Amen. Rebecca, I love you and Justin so much. Your family is awesome. Miss Holly says, yes, I did receive something today. Glory to God. That's awesome. Actually, we covered quite a number of points about being a good leader or being a bad leader, uh, what good leaders and bad leaders do. Uh, we covered quite a few today, so that's really great. That's awesome. I'm going to enjoy tomorrow. There's a lot of, there's some nuggets in tomorrow's with uh, chapter 24. I think you'll really enjoy it. It's really good. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, I don't see any questions. I don't hear any from anybody that's in here. So we love you. Have a great, great day. We'll see you tomorrow for lunch plus uh, tomorrow at noon. And uh, y'all have a great one and uh, have a great, great day. Yeah, Rebecca, we love you too. Thank you very much. We praise God for you. I'm excited to hear the testimonies of how this is going to change your life, how you're going to look at things differently and how you're going up, up, up. Uh, to fulfill your call from God and be who you are called to be. Living in abundance. At Boomerang, we have our, our vision statement and uh, a house of love and prayer. Living in abundance, winning souls and making disciples for Jesus. A part of living in abundance, not just financial, it's living in abundance of your leadership, living in abundance at your work, living in abundance in your family and home, living in abundance in your mind, having, having a clear mind, living in abundance free from any bondage. Uh, it's living in abundance of life, life to the full till it overflows in Jesus' name. That's what we want for you. Have a great, great day. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.